You're listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. Intercom, making internet business personal at scale. Learn more at intercom.com. Welcome to another edition of the Inside Intercom podcast. This week, we're excited to bring you a conversation between Intercom Director of Brand Design, Stuart Scott Curran, and designer and multi-business founder, Tina Roth-Eisenberg. You probably know Tina best as Swiss Miss, the name of her popular design blog, which grew from just a personal online archive to a site with more than a million unique monthly visitors. It's one of a few side projects, or labors of love as Tina calls them, that ultimately became an unintentional startup. She's also the founder of To-Do, a very simple To-Do app. The breakfast lecture series, Creative Mornings, which now has chapters in more than 160 cities around the world. Tatley, a designer-driven temporary tattoo company. And Friends, a co-working space in Brooklyn. In her chat with Stuart, Tina shares where she's found the largest learning curve in the transition into the startup world. I had to learn and embrace sales as an art form. And I had to start caring about that. Because when you're a sales-driven company, in the end of the day, even if you sell artistic things you need to care about your margins and you know the sales channels and everything how she's handled hiring across such a wide array of businesses when you are a founder and a ceo that cannot dedicate a hundred percent of your time to one company you automatically have to hire people that are very self-driven and take initiative and what founders can learn from entrepreneurs hailing from disciplines outside their own i always tell everyone that is starting out like just find that group of people that has really high standards in their work and they complement you in some way because I have become so much better in everything I do and have set my bar so much higher and my goals have changed because of the people that I surrounded myself with. If you like what you hear and want to catch more Inside Intercom episodes, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And now, let's hop in the studio with Stuart and Tina. Tina, welcome to the show. Nice to have you. Thanks for having me, Stu. <laughs> it's good to talk to you. <laughs> Tina, incidentally, is the the only person I know who has an emergency drawer of confetti available <laughs> available for any eventuality that, that might come around. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, in having a confetti drawer, yes. I actually think every business should have one because you never know. And also, it always puts a smile on people's faces when you open that drawer and it's just jam-packed with confetti. <laughs> I think we need one of these here for sure. <laughs> So you're juggling like a, a lot of projects at the, at the moment and you have been doing so for a while. Wondering if you could just like give us a quick feel for the trajectory of your career and how like some of these, you know, you call them labors of love came to become mm-hmm. full, maybe even perhaps unintentional businesses. Yeah, sure. I grew up in Switzerland and I trained as a graphic designer and uh when I was 26, when I graduated, I moved to New York, but was supposed to be a three-month internship, and I fell completely in love with the city, and the city just welcomed me with open arms. You know, things just fell into place, and I got a job right away. And so I worked for quite a few years uh, as a, a designer at various design studios and sort of specialized in, in interactive and user interface design. And I eventually, when my daughter was born, had this like moment of like, man, I really should you know, 
follow my dreams and I always wanted a design studio. I started my own design studio and had very cool clients right away and then very quickly realized, man, I don't want to work from home. And as I started my design studio uh, quickly after I started a co-working space before co-working spaces were a thing, which in the end of the day have has completely changed my life, has been the best decision I've ever made. Because if you surround yourself with really smart and creative people, you, you just, you know, you raise the bar. And out of that co-working space um, and being surrounded by other creative people while I ran my own design studio, I started these, what I call labors of love, little side projects. And they have organically, interestingly enough, turned into businesses. So for example, I started a to-do app with my studio mate, uh, Cameron Cozon, uh, which started over a lunch conversation. And I basically lamented the state of to-do apps and how they're just too many bells and whistles and I just want something simple. So I designed it and two days later he built it. And then we had a to-do, T-U-X, D-U-X, a very simple to-do app, Mm -hmm. which has over the years turned into actually a business, a small business, side business. And then I started temporary tattoo business called Tatly, which was really just a joke. But now we have 17 people working on the team and we ship tattoos all around the world that we license from artists and designers. I started Creative Mornings, which is a breakfast lecture series, just by simply opening the doors to my design studio and letting like the larger creative community come in. And that has organically grown over the last eight years around the world and we're happening in 160 cities around the world. So these are, I have this knack of starting something or seeing a need for something or something that I want to fix. And I do it out of sheer love for the process and because I wanted to exist in the world. And then for some reason, the world screams at me and basically says, this should be a business that needs to grow. And uh, I need to stop starting things. I have a new rule now that if, if, if I start a new thing, it's like with shoes. If a new pair of shoes comes in, one needs to go. And <laughs> I have a lot of ideas for starting new things, but I'm not, not allowed to because it's something else would have to get off my plate first. So that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm a starter of things. <laughs> Nobody can ever say I was afraid of starting something new. That's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Like you say, like a common link between all of those endeavors is, you know, you spotting a problem and then creating something that you think solves it. Like I'm pretty sure I remember you saying before that if you complain about something like more than two or three times, then you feel a responsibility to kind of do something about it. Yeah, that's my personal rule. Like, I feel like, I'm, I'm sorry if any any Swiss people are listening right now, but I feel like growing up in Switzerland, you just hear a whole bunch of complaining all the time. <laughs> and I think it's something that I just, I just, it really drives me crazy because complaining is a real waste of energy. And I'm a big believer to, like, I always tell myself if I, if I catch myself uh, complaining repeatedly about something, I have two options: either do something about it or, or let it go. But just this this notion of complaining repeatedly about something is just really driving me bananas. And so, for example, the Tatley thing, the temporary tattoo company that I started, was literally because my I, I would complain about the state of temporary tattoos and mm-hmm. how hideous the designs were that my daughter would bring home from birthday parties. And at one point, I was like, I, Tina, you need to make a decision. I'll stop complaining or make it better. And so I did. So something that I'm really interested in, and I've, I've never had the chance to ask you about this, you know, Tatley's a business that, that's obviously, you know, focused on on sales. Creative Mornings is, is something fairly different. It's, it's a more altruistic, localized system that's, that's more self-sustainable and, and not so focused on, on profit. Like, how, mm-hmm. where's, like, the tension between those? Like, how does running those two things differ And are there any kind of like lessons you've learned through Mm -hmm. doing both of those at the same time? 
this is so the thing I've been thinking about in, in 2016, to be honest. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, I've never set out to run two companies at the same time. Right. Which I'm often like, what, what in the world was I thinking? But here I am, and I am running Creative Mornings, which is really the only measurement we have, to me personally, is like, how much do we grow around the world? How many people attend? And then just how much goodness and happiness does it bring into the world? It's a it's a volunteer-driven organization with over 1,500 volunteers around the world, right? Yeah. So, And then there's Tatley, which is, in the end of the day, a sales-driven mm-hmm. company. And I am not a salesperson at heart. Yeah. And there is a lot of tension in that because I had to learn and embrace sales as an art form to a certain extent last year. Yeah. And I'm someone who loves to build the machine and figure out how the machine works, but I really don't care about the sales style on it if it's on six or 12. <laughs> yeah. And I had to start caring about that because when you are a sales, when you are a sales driven company in the end of the day, even if you sell artistic things, you need to care about your margins and, and, you know, the sales channels and everything. And, and I sometimes laugh because now here I am sitting looking at Excel spreadsheets and and I talk and worry about margins. How have I become that person? <laughs> so there's been a lot of personal growth. But I do also realize that when you run two companies that have such different, like a sales-driven company versus Creative Mornings, the people you attract are so different. The people that end up running these companies are very different people. And I, I can experience this firsthand because I run them simultaneously at the same time. And these people are all in the same room. It's incredibly fascinating, to be very honest. And I would have never guessed, even though I'm the same person running it and I have the same set of values, you know, that it ends up being a completely diff- different organism with different kind of people uh, in it. And I think one day I might have to write a book about it. But in the, my long answer is that in the hearts of hearts, I'm not a salesperson, but everyone can embrace it and start learning to become a more sales driven person. That's that that was my lesson of 2016. So yeah. anyone who's out there who thinks I can't sell or this is not my thing selling, everyone can learn it. And it's yeah, I'm, I'm there. I can give some lessons now. <laughs> well, I think like you uh- at the same time, I've still seen you bring like a, a huge like sense of fun to, to some of that stuff. Like, you know, I've seen you, you know, doing the, the trade show stuff. Um, but then you also had your little pop up shop in, in Brooklyn, like the, the temporary tattoo parlor. Yeah, like, so I, I just feel like I had to bring in my own version of selling Yeah. so that it's not crushing my soul. Exactly. <laughs> so I do it with a whole lot of humor and uh, and I'm braced to silly in, in the whole thing. And that's another thing I had to learn. There's If running companies has taught me one thing, there is not one way of doing something. Right. You know, as someone who started a retail e-commerce business with Tatley, not knowing anything about any of it. There's such beauty in being a complete novice in a certain industry because you come in and you basically question things that other people would never even question. I didn't even know that rules existed. You know, I knew nothing about trade shows. I knew nothing about wholesale accounts. I just knew nothing. I never thought about margins up until a year and a half ago when I hired a real salesperson. She's like, well, let's look at your margins. I was like, oh, yeah, right, that thing. <laughs> so it's it's incredibly refreshing when you, when you start a business um, with such innocence and just enthusiasm like I did and, and then automatically kind of um, bring a breath of fresh air to an industry that people that have grown into that industry and learned that industry would never even dare to do. 
Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. Community is obviously a very important part of your life, philosophy and career. You know, whether it's stuff like Creative Mornings or, or a co-working space like, like Friends Work Here. And, you know, you can get a lot of that type of support from the, the community around you. You know, what can fellow creatives and entrepreneurs learn from folks in other industries and other disciplines like sales that you mentioned? Well, if I look at my career and, and my life, I just I always had this desire to get people together. Like uh, when I was in high school, I ran the student council and organized events and whatever. So that that was like in my DNA. And now in a more professional setting, I'm, I really, I wasn't kidding when I said before, when I started my first iteration of, of my co-working space nine years ago, Studio Mates, the moment I realized that when you surround yourself with people that are equally driven, creative, but from different, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like, you know, like I, I sat next to a developer and behind me was an illustrator and there was a writer. We all had our different crafts that we were really good at. And up until then, I felt like we were always in our silos. I would only go to graphic designer events. So I would only go, you know, and the information architects would only hang out together. But the beautiful thing, the magic that happens when you sit together and you can turn around and I can ask a photographer for advice or the guy who's just running a startup next to me, there's such incredible value and and magic that happens. And I, I always tell everyone that is starting out, like, just find that group of people that has really high standards in their work and that complement you in some way. Because I have become so much better in everything I do and have set my bar so much higher and my goals have changed because of the people that I surrounded myself with. So, uh, and, and that translates not only into co-working space, but also now with Creative Mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the first time I met most of the hosts at our first ever organizer summit, my heart nearly exploded because I realized these people are making me better. These people have incredible values. And just their their goodness that they put out into the world just made me raise my bar yet again in who I am and what I want to uh, you know achieve in in my life. And it sounds a little cheesy, 
But if I want to teach my kids, I have two kids. If I want to teach them something is that they have to be really, really thoughtful with who they surround themselves with at any, yeah. at any state, at any time in their life. Yeah. And, you know, creative mornings has is, is, is really become like somewhat of a phenomenon, really. It's a true global community now. Like you said, it's chapters in 160 cities uh, worldwide. How do you approach growing and spreading something that's just as much of like an idea as, as a business? People always ask me that. And then I, the only answer I can come up with is that I think my secret superpower is enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm excited about something, I will just light up a room with my giddiness and, and excitement around it that it is in some way very contagious. And I think, you know, other people then say, well, you could do the same thing with being confident about something. But I don't believe that because I, I feel like confidence is impressive and enthusiasm is contagious. And I think it's the contagiousness that spreads it. And uh, and I think the, the with, for example, Creative Mornings, I just saw how much good it brought to like I ran it for two years in New York City, never thinking about growing it. But by me sharing about it, talking about it on my blog and sharing the talks and just keep doing it, I just feel like people just wanted that in their life and started asking me to start running it. I mean, Stu, you know, you've been a host. You ran it for a few years. Um, It is a contagious thing, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I did it in San Francisco for for two years and it was an incredible experience. And I think like what what was interesting to me was just how that enthusiasm translated across different countries, different territories, different cultures. You know, everybody was kind of like getting excited about about the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's not something I had really experienced before. Global excitement. Global excitement, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and you know, global community. You know, everybody. You know, feels feels part of 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 this movement and this kind of, you know, movement of of, of generosity. And I think we we need more of that type of thing. I feel like more than ever. I feel like um, the world needs needs just really safe places for people to get together and for people to find their like minded, you know, community. Absolutely. And so I guess like when I was doing Creative Mornings, that that technically was like my side project. Um, Mm -hmm. Although as with a lot of side projects and doing things that that you're really, really passionate about, it ended up taking up more more and more time. Um, Mm -hmm. But side projects are are obviously like a huge part of your story. And that's that's true of many founders today. What's your advice for for balancing those side projects versus like the other responsibilities, like you know, running your businesses, mm. family commitments? You know, how do you just avoid getting burnt out on all that stuff? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's always a hard question for me because at the end of the day, for me, life is one. You know how a lot of people, when I hear sometimes people talk about their work and then their personal life, mm-hmm. there's like there's a clear distinction. And I think I was just very lucky that I found that sweet spot that what I did for a living, I also didn't mind doing in my pastime, in my personal life. Like it was all just one. And so to me, there wasn't really a a fear of burning out because I loved what I did so much. And it all was kind of the same that it just fueled me. 
So I didn't dread any of the the work I've done. And, you know, a lot of the when you're a graphic designer, you just have like a, a an advantage to starting side projects like when when they even if when they look like some almost like a business i remember the first day i um uh, sorry i'm rearing off from your question right now no, but this just it. reminds me of um the second day i was in business with tatley and again tatley was a just a side project with illustrator friends to sell designy temporary tattoos and we launched with 16 designs with some like you know well-renowned names like julia rothman and jessica hish and and so forth and the second day the tate modern shop buyer called and he asked, um, "Wow, how long have you been in business? You have such a such a great brand." And I was sitting there <laughs> thinking, "Oh my God, we're two days old!" And just because I was a graphic designer, I was able to right out of the gate make it look professional, right? Yeah. Look like a brand, a, a real brand, and. If I want to teach my kids one thing is that if they are at all interested in becoming a graphic designer, they will have such a head start if they ever become entrepreneurial. Because with all the things I've done, because I was able to brand the thing myself and make it look good and make it look like something, you know, professional, everything was taken so much more seriously right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. So that was day two. Where does most of your involvement lie today? Like, how have you been hiring? How have you set about, you know, structuring that that team? Tatley, I'm mostly involved. So we're we're 12 people full time, and then we have about four helpers. And we work out of uh, our space here in Brooklyn. We ship all around the world, and and we do custom. We sell to stores. We sell directly. And I would have never believed that running a company like Tatley would need so much manpower. To be honest, shipping things around the world is really hard. And even though our product is very easy to ship, but um, steep learning curve there. But uh, my main involvement is obviously just as the role as a CEO to make sure there's enough money in the bank and and just help with the overall vision of where we're heading. And then I'm also heavily involved with uh, the overall creative direction and the picking and choosing of new art and new artists and who we take on on the roster. And uh, and I have a really, really fantastic team there. I think because the sheer nature of how I ended up running two companies at the same time, it's actually fascinating. I thought about this a lot. When you are a founder and a CEO that cannot dedicate 100% of your time to one company, you automatically have to hire people that are very self-driven and take initiative. And because of your lack of responsiveness at, at some times, and because I'm just not there, they had to be comfortable in making their own decisions and I actually firmly believe that Tatley is so is what it is today because the team felt comfortable and had at times just bring themselves into it and make a decision for me and the same with creative mornings and I actually find that fascinating that when the just the sheer setup of how you run a company or how it evolves into it uh, will define what the company will become and 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 its own nature and I have incre incredibly independent teams we have both creative mornings and tatley and I love that I mean sometimes I walk in and I'm like hey guys what's actually going on can somebody fill me in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was obviously an intention from from day one, pretty much that, that you were gonna, you know, empower your employees. You were gonna, you know, let them, you know, fulfill their their full potential. You know, bring their skills and experience to the table. Yeah, I mean that's how that's just how I run companies. I'm I'm not someone who breaks down someone else's neck. And also, to be honest, my personal happiness, I've you know, because I. Um, Bootstrap Tatley. I've always, in the very beginning, hired very young people that were just full of enthusiasm and loved the idea, and 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 just seeing the young people grow and and learn that that is sort of my 
my currency, so my personal uh, definition of success with the sort of the, the growth I see around me. And there's some young people that have worked for me that have moved on now to other companies and that just seeing them flourish in their careers is just the best thing ever. I can't wait till I'm an old lady and I sit in my rocking chair on some porch and and I get emails from the super successful people that once maybe started out as a junior designer with me. You're a mother of two amazing kids. You know, we talk about like juggling various types of responsibilities. I'm just really interested in like how you feel, you know, your children have potentially like impacted your career. That is a topic that is so dear to my heart because um, I actually realized or I took inventory of my life when I became pregnant with my daughter, who's now 10, and sort of looked at my life. And for some reason, this whole pregnancy thing kind of really made me think about, you know, the dreams in my life that I had and things I still want to accomplish and where I was. And I realized that one big dream I always had was to run my own design studio. And I did the slightly crazy thing to start it the day she was born. And it was fascinating to see that the universe kind of unleashed itself on me. And I got like the MoMA was my first client right away. And it was just like, I, I felt like I get all the signs were like, go, 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 Tina. So I, and because I had, um, husband that was very supportive in, you know, in, in balancing the, you know, the responsibilities of, of raising a child, we, it was like, it really worked well for me. Like I knew that I needed to work in order to be also a happy mom. I grew up with a mom that ran her own business. So I always knew I wanted to work, but running my own studio was really that what put it to the next level. And, and, and I, I loved everything about it. And then when my son came around, when I got pregnant with my son, I, um, took inventory again this was like three and a half years later me running my own design studio and uh and then when my husband with my son I took inventory again and I realized wait a second I really don't want to have my own clients because I actually really didn't enjoy the service industry I I'm not thick-skinned enough I think I I really hate disappointing clients and and then I I went on a one-year client sabbatical and that was possible because I I ran a very popular design blog that had some passive income and in that year of magical thinking of this uh, sabbatical, I was able to start all these other projects that then became businesses. So in the end of the day, I must say my daughter turned 10 uh, in April of last year. And it was an incredibly emotional day for me because I looked back at a decade of, of changes and a career path that she has completely triggered by, you know, when I was pregnant with her and I, everything I have accomplished that makes me really, really happy. My career has really happened from the day that she was born. And I always want to tell women that if you have the right partner, that is helpful. And if you can, you know, there, there's ways where having children is not the end of the career. To me, it's actually the opposite. They were the catalyst in pushing myself to work better and smarter and, and work on my own projects. And, and it always makes me happy when I hear other women that I was able to inspire them in some way to not look at having children as the end of, of, of their career or, you know, having to step back professionally because there is a way that you can make it work that, that, that is not the case. They must be learning so much from, from watching you, you know, run these businesses and, and do these things. I, I hope to do. I'm I'm super aware because I had a very badass mom who ran ran a business and, and I had a, an entrepreneurial dad, but I didn't feel like they they purposely shared a lot with us. But I think it was a different time, but but I purposely share a lot of the things that are going on with them, and I try to explain them. You know, let's say how you know how 
the whole things with margins. And when we're in a store, I explained to them that the store probably, if it has, this was $20, they bought it for 10 and the, the company produced it probably for two. And it's really fascinating to see them absorb all of that. Or also when it comes to leadership, when, you know, I have to make t- tough decisions or uh, when I'm hiring and I, I explain to them what I'm looking for, et cetera. And I, I really hope that I'm able to teach them some lessons that I had heard to, I had to learn the hard way that my parents could have right. passed on as well. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So what's next? So what's what's on the radar for the, the the next year or so? Well, I have to make sure I'm not dropping any balls. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, the, the one thing I miss, if I'm very honest, is like the lightness of when I started out all of these projects. Yeah. Because I, ha- I started all of them sort of around the same time. And, you know, and especially in the beginning, when you start them out as side projects, it's it's just play. It's playful. Mm-hmm. You There's not lot, a lot of stakes. And... And I feel now with, you know, Creative Mornings has six employees, Tatley is 16. There's just a lot of stakes if, if I make a mistake, if I make a wrong decision, if, if, if the business doesn't grow the way it should. And sometimes I, I look back and I wish for the lighter days, but at the same time, I, I just feel I'm incredibly blessed to, to work with such smart people and run creative companies that, you know, make the world in some way a little better and a little more, a little more uh, creative. Wonderful. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Tina. We we appreciate your 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 time today. Uh, thank and, you for having me. And we wish you and your your many endeavors uh, all of the best. Thank you so much, Stu. <laughs> You've been listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more episodes, visit SoundCloud.com/intercom. If you'd like to subscribe, search for Inside Intercom in iTunes or Stitcher. And for even more great content check out blog.intercom.com.